Jake, I heard you're starting Father's Day early today, surprisingly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my uh, mom uh, texted us that my brother just showed up at my grandma's. So we were supposed to do Father's Day tomorrow, but my mom gave everybody the wrong date. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so are you getting uh, yeah. out of that because of the podcast or are you going over there? After? No, I, I, I was just there. I threw ribs on the grill. So I'm going to go back oh, right after this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> A podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. And I am Jake from Gold Eagle, and we have my dad on the podcast today as a special guest for Father's Day weekend. That's awesome. Nice to meet Welcome. you, Steve. Yep, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Happy all. Father's Day early. Thank you. You too. Are you a father? Or... Uh, almost. Soon, right? Yeah, October. Oh, a emerging father. Yeah. <laughs> in, father in training, I guess. Yeah. God, you need a lot of training. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Better keep them out of your whiskey room. Yeah, I know. Don't want that shelf to go tumbling over. (laughs) No. (laughs) For the sake of the kid and the whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Um, It's like, I think we've talked about this uh, the first time you were on about the your family story with the store. Um, so I, it's probably worth talking about again, because uh, I don't think we've mentioned that in a while. Yeah. I mean, we should probably hear it from my dad's point of view. Um, I don't know if you want to just go through like a, just a quick, your history with the store. I mean, what's it now? Sure. Like 30 years you've been working there. Yeah. I basically started working there in um, the mid to late eighties. And I've been there ever since. And, um, but a quick history of the store, the grandfather and his uncle actually started it pre-prohibition. They were delivering and stuff illegally, but that's <laughs> how they, they earned money. And uh, from there, uh, my grandfather took it over from his uncle. His uncle got thrown out of the state. He had a get far away because they didn't like to pay taxes. <laughs> and, um, so my grandfather basically uh, kept the store himself. And from there, my dad took it over in the late fifties and moved it out to open up a store in Mom Prospect in 73. He, he had to get away from the city and open up uh two more stores hoffman states in 74 and then libbyville in 77. oh nice and now we've got fourth generation going maybe the best generation of all now we'll see it's all uh couldn't do it without the one before of course (laughs) but um i don't know i guess yeah very fun it's a very fun is i mean you know, business being how long have you been working there? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I, I never 
sort of pushed it on them, never at all pushed it on them, but when, and I didn't think they had any interest in it, but all of a sudden when they graduated college, they both said, I'm, I'm working here. I didn't, you know, I was, <laughs> yeah, honestly, growing up, growing up, I had no interest, no desire. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like because it was liquor too, um, you kind of kept us away a little bit before we were 21. And then I moved out to California and was enjoying it out there. And then I think we talked on the phone one day and, uh, two or three weeks later, I decided, uh, it was a good decision to move back and start working there full time. Didn't really have a plan or anything, just moved back and jumped right into it. Didn't know much at all about liquor except for, uh, you know, just finding the cheapest handle at the local neighborhood <laughs> liquor store. That's probably might be the most unique thing about this situation is that um, I didn't know anything about, I didn't know how, how they make red wine. I, you know, first thing I heard, heard is that you make red wine from red grapes. I didn't know that. When I'm 22 years old, I didn't know that. So I didn't know anything that really, I didn't want any part of this business, but then I got dragged in, I guess, partly because I, my dreams fell apart of making the PGA tour. So <laughs> I figure I might as well uh, go to work in the family business, help all my dad. And so you're a big golfer or you, or you were? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Unfortunately I've, uh, when I was 33, I got MS, so that pretty much ended everything. But prior to that, but he did win the he won the Illinois Amateur, was it? Yeah, Illinois State Amateur. When and I was uh, played oh, at nice. Ohio State 17. and Texas A&M, so that's pretty nice. cool. Mm -hmm. So it was it was closer than like a wild wild dream to play in the PGA Tour, but yeah, uh, no, I'm I mean, thankful uh, that you. I could pretty much, uh, you know, toot my own horn that when I was 21, I was probably the top 20 players in the United States. Oh, wow. Um, just based on results, because they didn't really have any rankings back then. But it was, uh, you know, it's definitely realistic. But as I see things now, I'm glad it never happened. So it is crazy. Like <laughs> yeah, that. I'm definitely glad, too, because we might not be here on this podcast. We probably wouldn't be here on this podcast right now. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So no, this is fun. This is really, um, Jake and Brett have really opened my eyes to all these changes that have gone on and the changes are tremendous. It's what's happened. And what are some of the biggest changes you've seen since, since they've kind of taken the reins over? Well, I think the, big, the biggest change is the, the amount of different products that are available that I can probably think back to when I was beginning and we only had um, five or six bourbons on the shelf. That's it. And it was, oh, wow. that's all we cared about was, you know, everybody's selling, trying to sell half gallons. And, you know, that's, it's strictly based on price. You, you, know, you buy it for $20 and you sell it for $19.99. I thought that was a terrible business to be in, but so that has definitely changed. That's definitely changed because now we can, the, the laws have changed to allow distilleries to open up all over the place. And now we have a flood of products. 
which he couldn't do 50 years ago. He couldn't do that. So it, it's interesting that that uh, has happened. And uh, I think it's, I think boys are doing great. Sure. And I mean, bourbon, going back even a little bit further, like bourbon wasn't even, uh, it was kind of like a secondary item, right? Like vodka was a, no. the biggest item yeah. by far for for right. liquor. Right. Um, and as he mentioned, like, yeah. right. The um... when when did when did like bourbon from your point of view kind of take over? Like not how it is today, but when did uh, you know you start to see like an uptick? Because I know there was a period where like nobody drank bourbon; it was just thought as like your grandfather's you know, mixer drink, um, and like no young people drink bourbon. Do you remember when that kind of changed? I mean, this was, had to have been before I started working there six years ago. It's definitely, I mean, when I started in uh, since the late eighties, it was bourbon was still not a, I mean, it was, we sold, I could probably say 70% of what we sold was vodka. And wow. then in probably in, the Jake was born in the nineties. It uh, still was vodka. It, it, it did switch over until probably like when you were ten years old, something like that. So right around two thousand. Mm -hmm. It's like early two thousands, two thousand five. Early two thousands, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a short market. I mean, talking about two thousand five to now, that's like sixteen, seventeen years. And all those years before that, we didn't sell any vodka. I mean, we didn't sell any whiskey at all. It was, uh, you know, Jim Beam half gallons and 10 high was big. And that's and early times. Early times was when early times was called a bourbon. And early times, that, that this probably says or exemplifies why how bourbon fell apart or was not popular that early times changed their name from Kentucky straight bourbon to some sort of whiskey. I mean, because they could, so they can make more money. They didn't have to go with the Kentucky straight bourbon laws. So oh. they could get cheaper, they can put out a cheaper, probably younger mixing in like one year old. Right. Yeah. And that's, and I thought that was at that point was, I don't know, why would they do that? But, you know, they I guess they were smarter. They weren't smarter than us, but they killed that brand. Well, also the consumer didn't really, the consumer didn't really care as much. I mean, not nowhere near no, how educated right. um, people are today, and like how much you know they care about the quality and everything that's going into the process of making bourbon. Yes. Right. I mean, look at. Uh, I mean, just we got four of us right here talking about bourbon. That didn't happen. <laughs> 50 years ago. Yeah. So True. Yeah. Like the, the rise stuff. of the internet had to have like a major impact Huge. on the industry overall. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all just the, right. the amount of information available and yeah. And COVID changed things too. sitting at home. What are you going to mm -hmm. do? You look on the internet and you see bourbon and maybe I should try this. And it grew. I mean, it grew really fast. So just from probably, it was probably big 
in the 20s. I, I don't really have any proof of that, but I would imagine whiskey was, was I think whiskey was very early mm. 20s or before. And then for 20, 30 years, it, it didn't grow at all. Probably lost brands. Mm-hmm. 15 years, 20 years, this is just exploded. So it's interesting. It's really I guess interesting. the, oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess the one things. nice thing of owning a store back then is you didn't have to worry about people coming in and asking if you have any special whiskeys in the back all the time. <laughs> that did not happen. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's still, as a matter of fact, I, you know, Go ahead. No, it still amazes me today how many people walk in and you can tell they don't know anything about, they don't drink (laughs) or they drink a little bit, but they go to Bourbon Isle and ask for, you know, I think Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace. Those are like the two biggest things I hear all the time from the average person that really doesn't know anything about Probably doesn't know anything about whiskey. Blantons. Yeah. yeah Blantons, right. I mean, you, so can, you can tell because people who are really, really into it and actually drink know that a lot of that stuff is very overrated. And there's plenty of options to explore just sitting right on the shelf. We probably talk about it at least once an episode. Right. Um, taters. But um, <laughs> but it's, that's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a good transition when um, – so – we're pretty, we kind of got the bourbon booming at our store um, back before I got involved with our Buffalo Trace store picks. Um, I remember you telling me stories about how when they pitched you on, do you want to pick a barrel of Buffalo Trace? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, this, you know, that really um, wasn't happening. Maybe, maybe Benny's was doing it or something like that, but Oh, we don't say that name on the podcast, but <laughs> keep going. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe they were doing this, but I, I don't know for sure. But uh, I had a um, salesman that worked for Buffalo Trace, and he he said, uh, you, you know, you guys are starting to buy a little bourbon, which we were starting to pick up a little bit. And he said, why don't you come down here and pick out a barrel? And I knew anything about the process. I'd never even heard of that. But... Um, Went down there and actually tasted five barrels. You know, they rolled them out from the brick house, and there's two of them that I couldn't. Uh, they were really good. And so, so here I am. Never we've store. We've never picked a barrel, and I'm walking out of there with two of them. I'm thinking, God, my dad's gonna kill me. I just spent ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they, they sold. They sold and they've been selling ever since, you know, and, and now finally, but, and then probably 15 years later or 10 years later, they cut us off. They start saying, you can't have, you know, originally it was all you want. So then it was six barrels a year. Then it was four barrels a year. Now it's, I don't know, Jake, was it two barrels a year? It's like, yeah, three barrels from them a year. I think we might be able to do an extra one this year, but only one Buffalo trace barrel. Um, but and even like six years ago, I remember when I started working and we would pick a barrel of Buffalo Trace, we would get it in, usually would take three, four, maybe five or six months to sell through it. 
And as soon as we got down to like three or four cases, we would just ask them for samples. They would send us samples. We would pick another one. And then the next barrel would come in by the time we sold out of those last three or four cases. Um, and I mean, now Buffalo Trace Barrel is gone in two hours. Right. Limit one bottle per person. So it's just in the last six years, there's been so much change with that. Um, right. But yeah, I remember just you talking about how the first time they asked you to pick a barrel, you thought it was kind of crazy um, to buy one whole barrel. But um, it's very cool that we were one of the first stores. Definitely, I think probably one of the first independents to start yeah, doing definitely. barrel picks. Right. And I mean, this... I'm sipping on Buffalo Trace right now because I knew we were going to talk about this. This is our 41st single barrel that we picked. Um, and I think yeah, we have think... 42 coming next week for yeah. give a little hint to those who are listening. I think there was a problem with the numbering too. So I think oh, you think we got? <laughs> we're on it. Oh, wow. Um, and then I know I remember you also saying that you kept one of each up until maybe about barrel 20 and then just decided one day and what's what's all this bourbon doing sitting here like (laughs) let's just put on the shelf and get rid of it (laughs) yeah that was yeah because how how cool uh, would that have been to put up a display of one of every gold eagle barrel picks of buffalo trace yeah Yeah. I had them in the office just like um and then one day it was, you know, we had didn't have any, we didn't have any on the shelf. We didn't have any access to it. And I just said to myself, why just put those, why am, why am I holding these things? And I put them out and, you know, it sold that day. It was quick. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm not it, a... It's um, got to be crazy. I'm not a Go ahead, Steve. saver. I don't, you know, I don't, I sort of do with wine. But I haven't done it with whiskey, so you can tell just from looking at Jake's background that he's not a saver either. He drinks every single bottle he buys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what it's for, right? I'm trying to Why find people that I can pawn stuff off on. <laughs> yeah, I mean he does. Like I'll I'll be honest. Like a lot of my barrel picks that I really enjoy, I do put a bottle or two aside, um, you know, I don't know, come back to it in 10 years and remember picking that barrel and being able to tell a story I think is going to be very cool. Um, or to put it on the bar and do like a vertical flight is very cool. And my dad is always like, let's just sell it. Let's just get the money. Um, but I think, I think especially recently we're, you know, I think you're kind of coming on board to the fact that yes, this is a booming category right now and it's still kind of in its beginning phases like there's still a lot more room to grow just with how many new people are getting into it definitely yeah yeah i don't see an end in sight but Mm -hmm. you know as i said it's amazing it was all vodka and then at some point i think it's vodka started dying out and i think bourbon just maybe just moved in and i mean Bourbon blows it away now. I mean, we probably sell, what do you think, 80% of what we sell is bourbon now. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that just and, um, leads into the unique thing with, with bourbon and whiskey, though, is 
talking about saving some of these bottles and barrel picks that you're doing and trying them 10, 15 years down the road. It's you, you don't get that with many other spirits. I mean, no one's holding on to a bottle of Belvedere no. for, uh, <laughs> yeah. for 20 no. years. No, it's, uh, it's, there's very few spirits that you can talk about longevity with and wanting to sit down and have a, have a memory drink with them. It's pretty sweet. But do they, do you guys think yeah, that that's... the, it changes in the bottle? Cause I, you know, I always believe that no. it doesn't change in the bottle. No. You know, wine. No, it's not going to change in the bottle, but it's going to change. I mean, the way they make it is going to change. I mean, you know, they, people say all the time, they don't make them like they used to. And there's a whole market for old dusty bottles, like even just regular wild turkey 101 um old bottles of old granddad from the 80s and 90s that you can still find you know bottom shelf pints half pints with full of dust um and those taste 10 times better than what old granddad is putting out today um not that it's not that old granddad's bad but just the the quality of stuff that they had um can we be nice i'm drinking that right yeah, now yeah i'm being nice i'm being nice i didn't mean it like that but the quality is just not the same. And a lot of the distilleries will say, because there's, we're losing the human touch. A lot of the distilling now is computerized and you're pressing buttons and you're not actually making the cuts by hand. And, um, you know, it makes a big difference in what we're, what we're drinking today. And even the trees, the trees too, that they're cutting down for the barrels aren't living as long and that's affecting the bourbon too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're chopping down younger trees to use for oak barrels now. Um, so a lot of, a lot of different factors that, you know, can may, I mean, who knows, maybe in 15 years now, the bourbon's going to be better. Um, but I think it's cool to have that vintage factor to be able to taste the same whiskey from 10 years apart and just see the differences. I, another, I thought it was interesting um, that the uh, Filey Bay tasting the um, sorry, what was the the owner's name? Uh, David Thompson. Yeah, David was saying mm -hmm. that they're in like the ne next like couple decades, they're probably going to run out of peat in Scotland, and they're going to have to figure mm. out a way to kind of create an alternate way of getting that flavor into the barley, uh, which was something I had never heard before. Um, but it was super interesting because we're facing yeah. a similar problem in with American Oak where, you know, there's only a limited supply of these old trees to make these excellent barrels. And over time, we're going to deplete that way faster than we'll be able to replace them. Another quick story I have. Um, that first trip I went down to Buffalo Trace, we went to, um, there's a, horse track right by there that we went to um, that Buffalo Chase was sponsoring that, you know, one of the races. And so we had this really nice room, the track and uh, Marty Lee was there. Oh, wow. And he, um, he was talking about older, you know, older whiskeys. And the one thing that he was, disappointed in is that as as a distiller when you make the whiskey it takes you know 12 or 18 years to see what happens to it so he was you know he's he passed away 
probably five years after that. So he never got to see a lot of stuff that he made at the end. Mm -hmm. So he never got to change, you know, so in his lifetime, saying every 10 years to get a barrel to go, you know, to mature. And then you got to wait another. So if you don't like what happens, make some changes and then you got to wait another 10 years to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's a really slow process. Yeah. So yeah. some of the like it's a cool great story. master distillers had like 50 year careers probably so they could still yeah. stretch out as long as possible to taste the different iterations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and, and, I never and, knew you met Elmer T. Lee. So 50 year. So if he was, you know, just the master distiller for 50 years, he probably only got to change whatever changes he wanted. He only got to change it about five times in his career. Yeah. Um, all right. So I got something to share. Um, I was trying to find the actual booklet, but I couldn't find it. But luckily, I have some pictures on my phone of the first ever Gold Eagle Whiskey Fest. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when this was. Um, what do you think, Dad? 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's got it probably in the early 2000s. Early 2000s. Um, so in this booklet is all the things from the tasting um, and everything was being tasted out and everything was also for sale that day. So I'm going to read off some of them. So uh, the first table was Old Forester and they were pouring birthday bourbon. Next table was Buffalo Trace. They were pouring Blanton's, Eagle Rare, Elmer T. Lee, Weller, seven-year-old special reserve. Um, I guess I had an age statement back then. Um, Weller 107, Weller 12 year, uh, Highland Park was there pouring Highland Park 30 year, which is probably a couple thousand dollars a bottle now. Um, in our, in Yamazaki 12 year was 60 bucks. Yamazaki 18 year was 80 bucks. And now they're 160 and 500 and impossible to find. <laughs> yeah, so that was our first right. whiskey fest. They were pouring... Pouring all the good stuff. I think George Stagg was in there too. I didn't have pictures of that page, but I'm pretty sure that was in the booklet as well. Sounds like Tater Heaven. <laughs> well, this is, this is, I mean, think about it. They had to go out and taste this stuff out to get people to buy it. That's, that's just how it was 15 years yeah. ago. Imagine having a time machine and going and filling up a couple of storage units. Whenever I hear about whiskey tasting these days and you hear that they're going to have a Sazerac rep there or things like that, I just feel so sorry for that Sazerac rep, just knowing <laughs> that people are just coming up with with empty glasses, just holding them out, just not even saying words like four. Yep. Well, we, even five years ago when we did our big whiskey Wednesday nights, the Sazerac table would have a line throughout like yeah. half the store and every other table, you could just walk right up and get a pour. Right. It was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I went to the first um, whiskey tasting in Chicago with the um, I think the wine spectator. I think that they have a whiskey to the wine spectator. Big annual whiskey fest. Yeah, and it was one of the first ones, and Julian Van Winkle was. 
pointing out his 12-year-old. And he had the other other couple items, too. Imagine that. So that brings up a new, that brings up a cool story about how Van Winkle used to just sit on our shelves and you had to put it on sale to move through it and get rid of it. I mean, right. talk about the first, talk about the first time the first rep came in and asked or pitched you on the Van Winkle line, like what you thought, did we bring it in right away and how did it do? Well, it's, um, it was actually, it was, uh, union liquors, which doesn't exist anymore was the Chicago distributor for it. And they only got that. They only got it once a year. I think they only are. No, they might have had it a couple times a year, the release of the Van Winkle stuff. But when I, when I first saw it, I, I never heard of it. I did, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't even, uh, excited about putting it in but put it in and still it went on the bottom shelf with all the other bourbons and didn't sell at all but it creeped out it kept out of there a little bit but uh, i think there must have been people that really knew what it was back then but um it didn't uh it didn't do very well compared to other products and but wasn't it even at the time wasn't it one of the more expensive bourbons on the shelf yeah it was yeah it was definitely a little bit yeah but not i mean they weren't that much back then so i mean maybe five dollars more than everything else but so it wasn't uh, mm. it wasn't you know crazy pricing like it, it is now it's you know it's like a few dollars more for to get that they were all inexpensive to start with. So, I mean, probably sold the, the Van Riegel stuff for $20 in that range. Maybe a little bit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, when it, when you first brought it in, was it, could you actually order it? Or was it always, here, we have this many bottles for you. Do you want them? For the, are you talking about the... Like when it, when it, when it... For, the, no, all the Van Winkle just stuff. Regular, like when it first regular. when it first came out, when you first brought it into the store, like was it something you can order more, or was it always allocated from the very no, there beginning? Was, there was a period of time when you could order it, but it didn't last. You know, it wasn't a year round. It wasn't an open year. So round. it was just a couple months where the yeah, distributor got some, and you can order it right. whenever you wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. But you could have ordered more, and I, I didn't order more because. I didn't think it was, uh, you know, nobody was buying it. So why should I order more? Anyway, at one point point we had the Van Winkle, the special reserve 12 year old, as Jake mentioned earlier, stacked on the floor. It was on, you know, the end of one of the end caps. And I had to point people to that thing. Whenever they wanted something special, I'd say, this is, you know, this is what everybody wants. And it was still hard to give away. I think, uh, <laughs> it forever. I don't know if we want to how, how quickly year old story, but. Ah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. But how quickly did like, how quickly did it change? Do you remember going through that time period where 
you know, you, did you ever think like, maybe I should be buying more and saving some of this or, um, no, well, uh, you know, as my, my instincts are always, you know, I don't want to load up the basement. I want to sell things. And if I can buy it, if I can keep buying it, you know, why would I throw it in the basement? So, but it did, I, you know, I don't remember exactly, but probably in the nineties or early late nineties, early two hundreds, two thousands is that's when it sort of started to go, you know, the regular Van Winkle stuff started selling off the shelf. Uh, then we were stuck, you know, then we were limited to once year release and November used to come out and it always, we always had it in January for sure. So we never sell, we never sold through what, what our application was. And it's, all right, time for the, time for the, time for the Van Winkle 23 year Christmas story. <laughs> Well, we were, um, <laughs> I had a salesman from my, my salesman from, uh, Sazerac was always trying to load me up on the aged ones, aged Van Rico products. And I didn't, um, I was taking them just cause he kept telling me that these are you know going to be worth something or that you know, people are going to want them someday. And, so I actually loaded up on the 23 year olds one time and I can go down in the basements and I could see how it was stacked probably five feet high and they were three packs. All of the 23 year. All 23 year old. And couldn't get rid of it. I mean, and, and so I'm, I'm looking at the end of December, I always go around and look in the basement and see what you know, I'd like to get rid of, and, you know, I would write a little list. And so I, when customers come in, I said, you know, this is, I want to sell this stuff. And 23 year old. So we're coming to Christmas Eve, and we're having a good day. But these two guys were right around the bourbon aisle, and they were asking about the, you know, they didn't really know what 23 year old was, but they, they were looking at it and they were on their phones talking to their buddies. And, you know, I said, I have like six cases of this 23 year olds. What, what it was, it was $50 a bottle or maybe less, but they ended up taking it all. And it was like a three, $4,000 sale. And it was, uh, I was excited. I was excited to get rid of it. And I was excited to sell it. And, and now I'm kicking myself. <laughs> Give it away. You sold it for three or four thousand for all of it, oh, and it would go yeah. for that per bottle nowadays. Right. Yeah. yeah, but at the time it was a great sale. Like I remember you yeah. saying how yeah. how you ran upstairs to your dad and yeah. was so proud to tell him that you just made a three or four thousand dollar sale. Um, and I mean, can't really blame you because there, at the time there was no secondary market. So no. nobody knew and bourbon was so new on becoming, you know, a popular drink. Um, but yeah. The funniest part of that to me is that the sales guy was like begging you to buy it right. from him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. You know that, right. 
you just you gotta take this stuff and I was you know, I didn't want to spend money when I when I didn't have to, so you know what? But good on that sales guy for for having the vision of hey, this is going to be worth something someday. He was he was ahead right. of the curve. He was he was definitely a <laughs> or, bourbon guy. He was I mean he was or he was just a sales job. guy. <laughs> right, that could be that. But you know, he was a he was no, he liked bourbon because he was the first one to do a bourbon class for me. So he um, he set up a screen. You know, he pulled up one of those portable screens and he had a little movie projector and they were showing pictures of Buffalo Trace and, and he went through the whole presentation of, you know, what it takes to become bourbon, you know, whatever it's 51 cent corn, it's gotta be new oak and all that. And so, I mean, that's, that's all totally new to people back then. So the first Gold Eagle masterclass. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was about 45 minutes. We cleared out the, you know, we actually did it in the beer beer aisle and um, <laughs> people loved it people liked it that was that was why I go I wish I would have saved the um when that was but I can probably figure it out but first master class yeah if there was if there was pictures that would be pretty cool yeah first master class yeah, I didn't even know about that yeah see you're I'm ahead of you Jake <laughs> I did these things before you. I know. I mean, I, I give you credit for the bar. The bar was your idea all along. Yes, but we you, you wanted know, to put in the bar, yeah. and your dad didn't let you. He said no. Right, I had it all drawn out, and I, I still have it on my computer. But it was, I had estimated it be about ten or twelve thousand dollars to put it in, and he said no way. And then. <laughs> way and the next year after that we did with Jake's, when uh, you put it in was it mainly for was you thought mainly for beer for that or what was the main reason for the bar no it was definitely a tasting it was it was okay i thought it would be just a tasting bar and, and we didn't have the license to sell at that point either so we could do a tasting bar but we couldn't sell the product so we kept accumulating all these bottles and what are we going to do with these bottles? So I figured let's have a bar and on the back wall, we put all the bottles there. When somebody wanted to try something, we'd give them a little, you know, we walked around. The so what, what, gave people yeah, what, what he's, what he's talking about is like, even before we put in the actual bar, we used to have a shelf um, with like, I don't know, it was probably 50 to maybe up to yeah. 80 at sometimes bottles okay. open that right. reps would just leave with us. They would come and do tastings. They would leave the rest of the bottle and people in the store, we would s sample out, you know, whatever they wanted um, as they were walking in the aisles. So we kind of been doing the try before you buy for a long time. Um, right. But then we finally just put in a formal actual bar area, obviously, um, that just makes it a lot, a, a lot nicer experience for the consumer to be able to have a seat, drink out of a Glen Karen, um, you know, instead of just on a plastic cup walking around the yeah. store. And you were, yeah, sure. you were with me when but, we went to, um, uh, the mayor. I, I don't know if you were, you went to meeting with the mayor in Libertyville. And we pitched the idea. Oh yeah, of, uh, mm -hmm. changing the law, and uh, he was all for it and did it. 
Oh, he was nice. very, yeah, he was very, I mean, we were a little nervous. We thought it was gonna be a long meeting and it was like less than five minutes. He was like, yeah, if this is going to help your guys' business, then for sure. Um, you've right. been there since, you know, 1980. So got a good relationship with you guys. So that was, that was very cool. Um, I thought for Libertyville to be that supportive of us, but yeah, when we did put in the bar, um, officially, which was probably four or five years ago, there was eight whiskeys and we had the six taps, but there was just eight spirits. Um, and I don't, I don't think, I didn't even think it would grow into, I think now we have like 180 bottles open on the bar. Um, and we, I kind of always envisioned it just being like, all right, just 10 things, 10 to 15, like really cool things for people to taste. Um, but I think just the bourbon explosion really kind of helped catapult that to, um, you know, what it is now. Um, and honestly, I feel like you don't really have a choice anymore if you really want to be successful because the consumer, there's so much stuff out there. They want to try they want to, you, you know, they want to taste before they buy. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of new distilleries and people, you know, don't have the money to buy everything now. So you got to, right. got to taste it and see what you like. Yeah. I'm still yeah. just blown away that the government was easy to work with. <laughs> I mean, that's what we thought going into that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm sure there's plenty of towns out there that, don't that still don't allow it yeah yeah we for got, sure we got lucky with Libby, Bill. Mm-hmm. well uh let's talk about what we're drinking um so jake already talked about uh this buffalo trace barrel pick any other notes on that one um so this is barrel 41 um it, it's uh it's i think it's the most recent one that we've done and you really, with most of these Buffalo Trace picks, you just can't go wrong. 90 proof, easy drinker, um, good one to start with for the day. Um, my dad always gives me crap about drinking the 130 proof, barrel proof <laughs> stuff. But it, it is nice to go back to a nice, easy drinker. And being eight years old, it's got a lot of complexity at the 90 proof. And this is one that uh, I think holds a special place in our heart because it was the first barrel pick that we did. And that was the first Kentucky trip that I ever went on when my dad and my brother and I went down to Buffalo trace to pick out a barrel. Um, so I think that trip really opened my whole eyes to what we can really do with, with these barrel picks. So I had to pick a, had to drink Buffalo trace for this episode. Nice. So what's your go-to Steve? Um, you know, I, I, as Jake mentioned, I'm, I'm not a fan of, maybe it's my generation of high proof <laughs> items. You know, I understand that, you know, there's more flavor in there, there's more, but I think if you put a drop of water in there in your glass and it really opens things up and it's easier to drink. So I'm, that's, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, what Jake's doing is totally fine. What people that like, high proof alcohol, you know, go at it. But so I am drinking just a um, Eagle Rare at a 10 year old. And he is a big, he's a big Eagle Rare fan. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a you good know, choice. Does he Rare. have to come in and ask you 
if you have it in the back, Jake, for him. <laughs> this is this is hilarious, actually. Uh, when when we released the last Eagle Rare barrel, he texted me after like thirty minutes after I posted it. He's like, "Hey, Jake, please save me one." <laughs> <laughs> See what I have to uh, yeah it's your store i'll save you one <laughs> um yeah, so yeah um, i mean and i was just gonna say i know you don't you, you don't really drink bourbon too often so like one bottle eagle rare will sit at your house for a couple years um unless we're over often then we'll we'll dive into it but um but i know you you also love irish whiskey is kind of like your yes. go-to yeah it's always been i you know because I, I did start liking scotch at one point but then i i didn't like the the peat so irish whiskey really has no peat so it was irish whiskey is pretty smooth and i actually got some a vintage jameson bottle Oh, yeah. Nice. Smooth. My style. <laughs> yeah. What about Sweet. you guys? Dan, you want to get a little fancy? I, I don't know, Jake. I want to hear about that fancy oh, cocktail. I hear about yeah. my cocktail that I made five minutes that before a, that. Is episode. that a flower? No, it's mint. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to cut. I I knew we had a mint plant somewhere, but we're having our decory <laughs> built, so I had no idea where it was. So I had to run around the whole house looking for the mint plant. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I made a bourbon smash. Um, so you take a couple lemon wedges and smash them in the bottom of the glass with a couple uh, mint leaves. And then it's just uh, two ounces of bourbon and three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup. Um, and I'm using watershed bottled and bond as my bourbon mm. so, uh, i thought that I, was the hazmat back that, there that would have been a bold move <laughs> that would have been a very bold move <laughs> oh, no, the lemon would just be gone at that point <laughs> <laughs> a complete smoothie yeah <laughs> just disintegrate <laughs> yeah i like the watershed bottled and bond uh as like a cocktail base um I like to use a little bit higher proof whiskey in my cocktails so that especially if it's going to be mixed with ice because as it waters down you keep some of the whiskey flavor in there um so yeah, 100 proof is usually what i like to use nice well in honor of father's day i'm drinking old granddad 114 um fine had been wanting one for a while but decalb doesn't seem to get it in very often so um, luckily I was up at a nice liquor store in Libertyville, uh, over last, over the week and they had some on the shelf. So I picked up my old granddad, 114 for father's day. Uh, my dad is actually going to be here probably in about 20 minutes. Um, for father's day, we're doing some stuff in the city. So speaking about all the pappy, I think I will, uh, just thinking of the documentary neat with my dad being here, he's 70 now. So I think we'll have a, uh, have a little poor pappy today for father's day before we go out and go to the city tomorrow. So that'll be our little night tonight. Nice. That's very nice. I gave my dad Pappy 12 on Christmas and he said, it's the most disgusting thing he's ever tasted. <laughs> <laughs> then he went back. Is to he a bourbon Bud drinker? Light. No, he drinks oh. Bud Light exclusively. It's <laughs> <Gotcha. laughs> hilarious. My dad will try and take credit for getting me into whiskey, which, which he didn't, but I'll let him have it. Cause 
after my grandpa passed away, they found a bottle of uh, Gentleman Jack at my grandpa's, at my grandparents' place. So they gave me that. I wasn't drinking that. I was drinking Makers, but I'll let them have it. But for Father's Day a couple of years ago, we met up in Marengo at Sam's Bar um, because they had he has Pappy for uh, for pours there. And my dad's into whiskey. He's gotten more into it over the last couple of years. Uh, but he wasn't a big fan of drinking straight whiskey. It was always with Coke. And for Father's Day a couple of years ago, I got him a poor Pappy. And I'm like, you're just going to try this neat and just see what you think. And he took a sip of it. He's like, oh, this is good whiskey. <laughs> why, don't, why don't they all taste like this? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll do that tonight. But... Nice. Cool. Any other hey, stories yeah. before we... Uh, yeah, any other stories, final thoughts? I think I've uh, cleared out my head on a lot of things. <laughs> well, Steve, just think that all your hard work means that Jake gets to sample a couple hundred different bar- uh, barrels of whiskey every year and make a few picks. So I'm sure yeah. I'm sure he's hating you for having to do that all the time now. <laughs> so it's just... a rough gig. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I guess, one of the advantages but then you know when they, when they come up, uh, it's not the greatest <laughs> but, but you got it i always tell them you gotta know what you sell mm-hmm. that's his famous line gotta know what you mm-hmm. sell mm-hmm. i like it all right uh on that note think we'll say cheers cheers Cheers. steve thanks for joining us yeah Yeah, thank you happy father's day Mm -hmm. yeah thanks happy father's day Uh, maybe i'll come back uh another day yeah Yeah, absolutely Mm -hmm. (laughs) sounds good all right guys enjoy father's day tomorrow or yesterday or no we're gonna plug oh plug today or tomorrow Mm -hmm. today but (laughs) it'll be today right yeah 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 uh, find us at goldeaglewine.com on Instagram, Gold Eagle, uh, Gold Eagle Wine, uh, Facebook, Gold Eagle Spirits, and download our app on the Apple Store or Google Play Store. And Bourbon Matters? Bourbon Matters. You can find us at Bourbon Matters on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, listen to us on Spotify and watch us on Spotify and YouTube or listen wherever podcasts are listenable. Awesome. Listenable. Awesome. Listenable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Cheers, guys. Happy Father's Talk Day. Guys, also. Yep. Happy Father's Day. Cheers. Cheers, everybody.